Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth Fritter, Skewed and Reviewed, which you can find online at sknr.net. And I am pleased to say we also have the HTTPS options finally working. We finally got it to work with the theme, so uh, really good for those who want the extra level of security. And you can catch us online with everything from movies, games, television, conventions, travel, pop culture, entertainment, and more. You can also catch us in Pinal Central, P-I-N-A-L Central, keyword skewed. And that is a network of 12 newspapers in 20 markets where we do the video game coverage for. And I also do a weekly segment on KISWFM Radio on BJ Shea's Geek Nation. And we have the simulcast up every Friday, so that's always something we look forward to. And, of course, we have our magazine, which is going to be latest issues in the works right now. We'll have it out in March. Student Reviewed the magazine. You can get it at Barnes & Noble, Flipster, Magster, MacLeod, all sorts of places. And, of course, we also have Sci-Fi Radio, and uh, we appear twice a week there they have us uh, what is it friday morning and friday afternoon with our segment uh that we're recording now so i'm joined as always with justin and michael and uh, joseph is doing well for those of you who've been asking he actually is tied up with a really cool project we were finally able to help him uh get in the right direction he got himself a 3080 video card and we were able to help him get a new case from be quiet so he's been programming up his new uh, system that had been long in the works. He's been trying to get this going for about a year now. And so he's all set, and then he's uh, channeling himself with Destiny 2 and Cyberpunk. So that has been what's kept him busy. But not to worry, we have lots of stuff to talk about tonight. And before we get to the discussion topics, uh, just a little bit of news for you. Uh, as many of you know, by the time you hear this, South by Southwest will be going on. They are back to live and virtual coverage. We have two people on site, and uh, they'll be doing weekend coverage this weekend and next weekend. We have some really nice panels and such uh, already arranged to be covered in various events. So uh, we'll be having that news up through the weekend. And then we have somebody who will be covering virtually. I think she'll be leaning more toward the music side of things, but... We'll see what she gets. Next week, I will be, uh, in addition to all this work and the magazine layout, I'm going to be covering the Game Developers Conference virtually. We have uh, some virtual interviews set up with some uh, smaller and uh, medium-sized video game companies. I know about one really interesting new video game that's coming. Uh, we're under an embargo. We can't talk about it but yet, but we have an interview with them next week, and we're really excited about that. Also want to mention that Star Wars Celebration will have some additional tickets going on sale on the 15th. So if you have not had a chance to buy your tickets yet, you want to get in on that. Disney has a few, I believe, Sunday and maybe some single-day Friday. I'm not sure for the D23 Expo tickets, but they are pretty much sold out of the uh, multi-day ones, the Saturday ones. So if you do want to get a chance to get in and see all the stuff that Disney has got coming up, uh, do so because that is a fantastic event we always look forward to covering that and it'll be really nice to have that back in action uh, the other bit of news is we got uh, a release today we knew it was in the works but it's nice to get the official its opening uh, notice and that is super nintendo world at universal studios hollywood 
is going to be open in opening in 2023. We don't have the exact date yet. As soon as we do, you can bet we'll be there and covering it. And we, you know, as you know, we love covering their Halloween. Uh, we've got a lot of events coming up. We've got the Knott's Berry Farm Boysenberry Festival that we're going to be covering. Uh, looking forward to their Halloween stuff. Lots more to come as things get better and more and more stuff open up. So let's talk about all the things that have been happening. Uh, a few days ago, we got news that Fed Al Fede Alvarez, who I uh, had a chance to hear talk at Comic-Con a few years ago, right before the release of his version of Evil Dead, and who has gone on to do Don't Breathe, Don't Breathe 2. And, uh, of course, he had a hand in the story and produced the brand-new uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre that uh, debuted on Netflix a couple weeks ago, was actually number one in new content for a while. Well, it turns out he has got an alien movie coming that he originally pitched years ago. And uh, recently, Ridley Scott, who will be producing, called him up and said, you ready to go? And he said, yep. And it will be appearing on Hulu. And this is in conjunction with the upcoming uh, Alien TV series. So, Justin, you uh, always handle our Alien stuff. What's going on here? And why this announcement now instead of on 426? Yeah, that's a great question. So, and that was one of the points I was going to bring up, uh, which I guess I'll go into a little bit later. So, um, I had actually had a um, opportunity, uh, um, you know, I did for uh, for the site, um, doing a small interview with with him for Evil Dead. Uh, he did an event here in Phoenix, and um, you know, it was us and or it was uh, me and there was several other. Uh, uh, press there as well asking him questions so i did get a chance to meet him he he's, seems like a really cool guy uh i actually liked i haven't seen any of his other movies but um that that remake of evil dead actually that was pretty good and that was like his uh basically debut movie um so i think it's an interesting choice uh definitely uh signals that they're really kind of going hard on the horror aspect it's not going to be you know prometheus and uh covenant um, Covenant more than Prometheus, obviously, is a little more horror, um, horror themed, but both of those movies are a little more of like a mix of several genres. Um, with this director, it's definitely, um, essentially they're, they're saying this is going to be a, a horror movie, um, which, you know, I, I'm all on board with, with that. I think the only things that really make me a little apprehensive are um, two things. So one is the way it was announced. Um, you know, I think you bring up a good point. Um, there is Alien Day. Um, why isn't it there? Which I guess, you you know, they, they could save that for, what you know, my next point, which is, you know, why, why isn't a movie like this being announced at like an event, um, you know, like a... WonderCon. Like yeah, WonderCon or Comic-Con or you know, make some fanfare out of it. It's a little odd to announce such a large um, franchise movie just through a uh, press release, essentially. Um, it was, you know, just the, the way the information was conveyed is just so so strange. And it seems like, you know, it could have garnered a lot of hype uh, to kick this off with a short teaser or um, not even that. They don't even necessarily have to do a teaser, but at an event um you know just show the uh like the title card or something um to kind of like kick off the marketing 
it's just it's very that's that's sort of strange and then the other the other thing too that makes me a little uneasy is um that is coming straight to hulu um which you know i i don't mean to uh to dig at uh streaming services obviously i subscribe to several of them and there has been good there have been good uh movies that have come out on like exclusive to streaming but i guess in my mind i'm still i still have the mentality that a lot of the the great um movies that come exclusive to streaming services are a little smaller uh smaller scale a little more um like like indie movies you know there there is great content out of there but um you know large tentpole movies large franchise movies um and this is you know it's obviously a large franchise uh i just i don't think it's like quite uh you know tested yet uh in, in terms of like exclu- of releasing a movie like this exclusive to streaming, you know, there's a predator movie coming out as well. Um, also exclusive to streaming. And, you know, that one, you know, is further along that, that one's actually, I think coming out this year. Um, but we really haven't seen anything on it. And it just, you know, as a hard, like a, a huge fan of these franchises, it, I'm happy. I'm a little mixed because I'm happy that new content's coming out, obviously, but, it just does. It feels like it might be a bit of a step down from where the franchise was. Um, but you know, on the same side, you know, from a practical purpose or practical standpoint, it doesn't make a lot of sense anymore uh, to release a movie um, in theaters unless you know it's going to do extremely well. So I can also understand it, the decision from a business standpoint. It just it hurts a little bit because of where the fr- these franchises used to be. Um, you know, to me, it. it it does feel like a tiny bit of a step down, but uh, I might be prejudging. Uh, I should probably wait until these movies come out. Um, so I am. I'm obviously looking forward to, you know, seeing what kind of quality we get out of them. But um, you know, I'm slightly apprehensive, but kind of excited at the same time. And uh, Michael, your take, please. Uh, yeah. So I yeah, and I completely agree with Justin's points. What I, w- I I'm a little torn myself. What I will say is the. I did see, and and to be fair, this is the only one of, of his I've seen. I did see Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I I will say I was less than a fan of the new release. Um, what one of the thing I I kind of like the idea of going with the Alien franchise a bit more of the horror um, genre. I think that's what the first Alien tried to be. Um, I think it was definitely looked at more as a you know you always look at some of the top horror movies of uh, the you know of the decades or, or the, you know, of the past 20 or 30 years. And I think alien tends to make that list. Um, some people would think of it more of a sci-fi movie. Some people look at it more of a horror movie. As far as aliens goes, that was certainly more of a action packed, um, sci-fi movie. Um, didn't have, it still had the suspense. It still had the, the, uh, you, you know, the, the, the scare factor, but it also had a lot more of the, uh, to me, the more interesting story had a little bit more of the um, the action aspect of the of the show. So, going back to its roots, I'm not I'm not terribly opposed to that. Um, I think, you know, to Justin's point, I I think we're you know maybe because of some of how the movies have done, um, Prometheus, you know, um, some of those types, the other Alien movies that have come out in theaters, uh, they still done fairly well, but I think maybe not to the level they were hoping they'd get. And maybe they're just giving him a little bit more freedom to do what he wants to do. 
uh, on the streaming service. So you know, you know I'm I I'm I'm okay with the streaming service aspect. We have seen um, several good movies and several releases recently that have done really well on streaming. We've seen that a lot of these companies are willing to throw quite a bit of money at this, and um, you know I I think I think maybe this would be another one of those things where they're testing the water for a, a series based on this and they want to see how the movie itself is receptive. I will say um, that if it's anything like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I expect that the gore level will be ratcheted up quite a bit. That was one of the things that was um, key for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think. So yeah, I'm interested to see where we go with this. And the other thing to keep in mind about all of this is that they have um, a plan in place, and I know it seems really crazy for some people to think about, but uh, what we're understanding is that this is part of the big acquisition of all these Fox properties. And Hulu is a, uh, you know, overseas they have Star, but in the U.S. we have Hulu. We recently had the film No Exit released, which was an entertaining, taut thriller. Probably wouldn't have lit the box office up, but on streaming it was quality release. And this has been apparently what one of the strategies that Disney wants to do is to do 10 theatrical quality films a year minimum for Hulu. And you know, I get exactly what Justin's saying because I am also of that, you know, era where it was, it goes to the theater. If it goes to, um, you know, we, we had, and Michael, I'm sure you remember this, Justin as well, there were the straight-to-DVD or straight-to-VHS titles, which were often uh, sequels to films that were marginal or, um, you know, lower-end hits. And then what would happen was, you would have the studios saying, oh, gee, we don't know if we want to invest the money in a sequel. Uh, so they often would get someone else to play the parts, and they would be loosely based. We've seen examples of this with Deep Blue Sea, where you have these sequels, and they're made on the cheap for sci-fi, and they are successful, uh, but they're not the same as doing the big theatrical releases. Now, what I have been told through a little bit of digging that I have done is that you can kind of circle back to Alien Covenant as to why they're going this route in the fact that Covenant made money, but it didn't make a lot of money. And part of that was due to the R rating. Part of that was being out in the summer. And if you look at the box office, some of the Alien films have hit very well. Some of them have not hit very well. So there is a question about you know how viable they are as a major box office um, release with the R rating and in the changing economics of Hollywood it's it's really messed up but if you look at it like this you take a hundred and twenty million dollar movie and you put it in a theater conventional wisdom is that it's going to need to make at least three hundred million dollars to make money back because you have promotion you have advertising in the old days of film you had duplication and then you had to and here's the key share the box office with the theaters even though the studios take the biggest cut up front there is still a revenue sharing aspect of it that factors into the profits now studios have found ways to get around this by you know using like their in-house effects companies their in-house promotional companies so they could say you know for example 
if you had gone outside it would cost thirty to forty million dollars to do this but because we were able to do it in house we could do it at cost it was only ten million and you could put on the books thirty million for advertising because that's fair market value that's a very simplified way of doing it but what i have been told is the advantage to putting it on streaming is that you can be more daring with your content they don't have to be so concerned about is this too gory is this too intense and because you are not splitting the money with the theatrical people they can put a hundred and twenty million dollar film straight out and say we're gonna make a profit because we're controlling all the money we will control all the merchandise directly we will control uh, you know any potential future distribution to another streaming service or straight to DVD or something like that and so that's what I was told as why Predator and Alien are taking this route because it gives them the ability to essentially put the high content out without having to worry about is it going to make its money back in the box office I guess you know their mentality is if we put 120 million dollars into this we know we're coming out on the plus side so we shall see it's you know it's the changing pace of dynamics and i i will be curious to see if some of their other films like uh die hard which there was a lot of talk about a prequel coming that disney shut down because they weren't too thrilled about the the script but they've already come out and said the next four avatar films are coming those are going to be theatrical and because of their money uh you know that's a given but you know, let's see what happens. I, 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 I'm kind of in that mode of at least we're getting content, and if they are going to be able to do content that truly is not going to have someone sitting over their shoulder going, oh, this might be too intense for theaters, and playing that game of, well, we can't put it out in the summertime because it's going to go up against a Marvel film, and we, it'll go up against Star Wars this time of year. You throw it out on streaming, it's going to do well regardless. So fingers crossed let's just hope it's good and then uh back to the whole thing about promotion which will lead into our second segment i think it's the changing lineup of everything you know we've talked about how are studios going to be returning to the conventions and uh, we've got wondercon coming up in a few weeks um we confirmed up our press passes we have our panel i can tell you now i'm doing an alien panel at the show on the last day of it but i can't give you any more specifics other than that but I'm very grateful for all this additional information that just came out. And as of now, we don't know um, which other studios are going to be there because they have just a few days ago opened up the press uh, sign up. So once that's confirmed, they send the names of the press off to the various studios. Then they hit you up for the meetings and stuff. So we'll find out. I mean, my if I, if I had to roll the dice right now, I think AMC will be there. They have been an active participant and when uh, they announced a new um, Maggie and Negan based um, Walking Dead show coming they have another one in the works uh, I would think they'll probably be there promoting that but who knows who knows and um, not quite done with Alien yet we had news this morning that Free League Publishing who do that phenomenal alien role-playing game and Titan Books who have done many alien and uh, Alien vs. Predator books, they have one out now, uh, that they are in a collaboration that they will have unified storylines set within the Alien universe for 2022 and 2023. And so they're going to share assets, coordinate plot lines, so that means expansions to the RPG game 
as well as the books are coming out. And I'm really happy about this because uh, we found out that we had a few books that we are um, tracking for release. And uh, that, you know, we have Alien Colony War, which is coming out in April, and then Alien Inferno's Fall, which is coming out in July. And then we found out about a new one called Alien Enemy of My Enemy, due out in February 2023. Uh, they also have uh, some Predator books. As I said, I'm reading the AVP short stories right now that came out. And uh, this is the interesting one. The results will set the stage for further developments within the Alien universe as depicted in the role-playing game and original fiction. Michael, you start us off on this one. What did you make of all this? I think this is exciting news. I do like, I will say that the role-playing game, even though I don't haven't played a role-playing game in a long time, I do like having them just for reference. I really like what's what's there. So I think it, I think, and I think it's good to have some continuity between books, which add a little bit more, um, you know, background to the role-playing game and allows for a little bit more world-building in general. Um, you know, again, if you're if you're a player to play a role-playing game, um, part of the fun, obviously, is coming up with your own stories. But I think having some background stories, having some additional information, um, any of that kind of stuff helps to drive that forward. And, and again, I'm always a big fan, you know, even just talking about the Hulu movie, but in general, of, of what what could be released that actually brings renewed interest into the series. Um, you know, we tend to forget that the Alien franchise um, is, what, going on almost 40 years old now at this point, or um, maybe maybe right around 40 years. Uh, so I, I think it's I think it's always good to kind of keep these things in the forefront. And, and what I found recently, you know, we've talked about uh, Dungeons and Dragons, I think, before on the show a, a few times, is there is a, and talking to my um, older brother who's, um, sons are now out of college, but are but you know role-playing games in general, uh, D&D has seen a huge resurgence, and this sometimes is a good way to get interest in a franchise and then drive that franchise in other directions with hopefully more movies, uh, TV series, etc. So um, again, I, I've been a big fan of the role the Alien role-playing game. I, I I like you know looking at it for reference and just kind of reading some of the cool stuff to it, um, and and so any of these types of things that help. Um, keep the franchise in the consciousness of everybody and keep everybody, you know, uh, interested and, and looking for new ways to um, explore it. I think this is all great stuff. So um, I'm honestly, you know, in some ways a little bit more excited about this than the Hulu movie. Uh, but again, in general, I just think, you know, any, anything that we could do to help drive um, this franchise forward is always welcome as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Justin, your take, please. Yeah, I agree. You know, I I have not played the Alien tabletop RPG, but I um, I'm pleased to see that it's been successful. It seems like they've released several you know new modules uh, throughout the year. Um, I think it's actually been out for a couple years, maybe at this point. But uh, uh, I I like to see that they're expanding the universe. Uh, you know, I, I think Michael touched on some really good points there that um, you know made me think about how I often say like the the alien universe is really has a lot of potential for a lot of really cool storytelling. I think it has a really cool, um, kind of grittier style, you know. And there's a lot of sci-fi series that really just do that, you know, kind of this really grungy, kind of dirty, um, you know, not not so clean, um, you know, depiction of the future. But I think Alien 
really has done it the best. And obviously I'm pretty biased because I, I like the franchise so much, but you know, I, I don't think it's overly gritty, but I think it's, um, you know, it, it, it really kind of hits that a, a lot of the, um, the, the games and the, the books and the movies certainly kind of like hit that's uh, a really kind of cool style. That's, you know, fairly realistic. Um, you know, in terms of like what, you know, you would think of uh, as the, the future circa uh, 1980, you know, if, if you were in the eighties and you thought about, you know, what, what would things be like, um, you know, 400, 500 years from now or whatever. Um, you know, I think uh, a lot of those kind of cultural aspects uh, from that era kind of like leak into uh, the way that the setting is, is designed for alien. I think that's all really cool. Um, you know, stuff like how the, uh, in Alien Isolation, for instance, you know, you see the, the LCD screens and, uh, their operating systems that look like, you know, DOS basically, um, you know, so I think it's like a, it's a setting that has a lot of potential. So I really like to hear about, uh, people expanding upon it, you know, through stories, um, and certainly, uh, an RPG, uh, tabletop RPG gives people basically the tool set to tell their own stories in it and the fact that they're they're putting a lot of effort into these tie-in novels as well i think really helps uh because there's really you know it doesn't you don't have to actually have to tell an alien story i, I mean a, a story in that universe and, and you know you don't have to have it just chock full of aliens and do the basically the same thing that's already been done it's a very large universe and i think there's a lot that can be done with it absolutely and that i just you know i'm looking forward to seeing what they come up with. And I, you know, maybe we can uh, sit here and hope. I know the last two years we talked about, oh, are we going to get something big for Alien Day? Are we going to get something big for Alien Day? And we didn't. Uh, you know, we had some things, but not the big news that we had in a few years past. And I'm thinking, while it's, it, I would think it's too early for a trailer because neither one of them have begun filming. Uh, but I'm wondering if they have something for us to uh, look forward to. I mean, certainly, you know, we have Fireteam Elite, and it wouldn't be out of the question to think that maybe something else is coming beyond just the DLC they've already announced. So lots of good stuff on that. The final thing I wanted to discuss tonight uh, was the two-part thing. First off, I wanted to discuss the Obi-Wan trailer because that came out the other day. And we're getting news today that this may not indeed remain a limited series as it was originally pitched. Uh, that at least some preliminary discussions are already underway about a potential second season for the show. So, Justin, what do you make of all this? What did you think of the trailer? And do you think, uh, yeah, uh, two years would be a good idea, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the trailer looked good. Um, I'm definitely very curious. Um, I mean, I know the, the prequels get their, uh, fair share of, um, of criticism, but they hold a special place in my heart at least because, you know, I was, I was, I mean, I grew up obviously with star Wars, but, um, too you know, young to see too, in the theaters. You too, say it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was too young to see. I mean, not, not too young to see. I was, I wasn't alive yet when, uh, Jeez. uh, All right. when... <laughs> plug his mic up, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, yeah. but, uh, but I did see the, um, the prequels, uh, in theaters. So, um, episode one came out when I was nine. 
So that was like, you know, I was, the, I was the perfect age to see, to see that movie. Um, and so e even now, like I, I have nostalgia for it because I can go back and I can watch it and it, you know, I, I have memory of going to see it when I was a kid. Um, you know, and yeah, I, I get it. I mean, that, that movie is not perfect. Um, you know, certainly the second one I have some issues with, but I mean, even that, like, you know, watched it when, when did that one come out? It probably was 12. Um, right rough so yeah about 12 years old and then you know i was a teenager when uh the third one came out so um you know i i actually i um i really really like even mcgregor in the role of obi-wan i thought he did really well uh, and one one just interesting little factoid i think i think this is correct i think he is older now than when um uh, gosh, what was his name? I'm blanking Sir on. Alec Guinness. Yes, Al Guinness was when he played Obi Wan in A New Hope. So, I think that's that's very interesting. Obviously, even McGregor does not look uh, very old. I think he still looks fairly young. Um, but I, I'm actually really curious to see him reprise the role. Um, and you know, I, we were, you had mentioned offline. Uh, you know, there's a long period of time um, uh, of you know what exactly is was he up to was he just a hermit the entire time now he probably had some things going on the only thing i guess the only tiny thing that i'm a little concerned about is um you know hayden christensen is is reprising his role um as darth vader um i have no issue with that i guess the one problem i might have uh, is if the story veers into, into a direction where they confront each other, which I, I would imagine would probably have to happen because, you know, you wouldn't really put these these two back in, no, they've in the same... They've already confirmed. They've mixed it up again. Yeah, so I, I might have some... I guess I, I'll have to see how they play it because I might have some issue... Because, I don't know, when, when, the, when they encounter each other in A New Hope, it really kind of felt like, to me, that they had not... They had not encountered each other since Mustafar. Uh, at least that—that's my my headcanon for it. That's what makes sense to me. Uh, that they basically, you know, they this was like a climactic, um, I guess, uh, reunion between the two of them. And if they had some sort of misadventure in between those two periods of time, I—I I don't know. I'll have to kind of see how they play it. I guess that would be my only sticking point. But, um, but other than that, I think the trailer looked good and. You know, obviously it means if they're thinking about a season two, it means they have uh, quite a lot of faith in it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, of, of all of their projects, I think this is probably the one that uh, I think is the most exciting um, just because of, of the, the people they're bringing back for it. Absolutely. Michael, your take, please. So I was alive and born when the first Star Wars movie came out. So, And I actually did see it in theaters, and I think it was actually thinking back the probably the first movie I'd ever gone to in a theater um, with my parents, obviously. Uh, Justin, did you at least see the special editions in the theater? Uh, I don't, I, my memory of seeing all of the originals was through VHS. Yeah. I don't so think I ever saw any like of them. No, no, because I think, yeah, because the special there. edition came out, I think, two years before episode Death, one Phantom Menace. yeah, yeah. They, were, they were testing some of the cgi effects and stuff like that as i right. remember yeah so and for episode one to you know i i did actually camp out to get tickets for that movie um 
uh, with uh, sleeping on the concrete. It was actually pretty cool because I was in Dallas at the time. Oh, and nice. we were staying at, at Cinemark, and what they did is we all camped out to get tickets. Uh, but they would give out, you know, they gave out popcorn to everybody who was in line. They had a security guard there who let people in to use the restrooms. Oh, nice. uh, if you wanted to go away and get, you know, breakfast or something to eat, people saved your lo- space in line. So it was actually well organized. But I, anyway, I digress. Um, I, I saw the preview, obviously, I, I think along with most everybody else um, online. And I will say it looks amazing. And, and there is always something to be said about bringing back the original cast members to kind of um uh you know flush out some of this and and as we've seen with you know mandalorian and boba fett um obviously uh disney plus does a a fantastic job with their storytelling i think from the star wars um perspective to justin's point i i also kind of i don't know how i feel about them um you know you know getting because i i agree with justin in the sense that i was under the impression that they hadn't seen each other since that battle and there was even some question about whether uh, Obi-Wan even was still alive at that point um, and and again it'll depend on how I agree it'll depend on how they how they do it where they do it um, ideally they can't do it on Tatooine you wouldn't think because obviously then he would know that that's where he's been all that time um, and so the question will be you know is there obviously has to be some reason that Obi-Wan leaves Tatooine um, even though he's kind of there to keep, watch over Luke, I think even in the preview we kind of see him, you know, I don't want to say cre- creepy stalkerish, kind of binoculars <laughs> watching him, right? But but he's there, right? So we, we know he's there. I guess the question again, the question is, you know, it would make no sense for him to to interact with Vader on Tatooine because that would just defeat the whole purpose. Um, so I, I I would be curious as to what what draws them out, what the catalyst is for them. Um, getting together i do like that it does look like it's going to focus not just on obi-wan himself but it is going to kind of focus on you know hunting down the jedis going after the the jedis um after the fall of the republic and that sort of thing which i think will be really interesting um you know obviously obi-wan being the key character but i think if we see a lot more of that history about them uh you know the them going after the other jedis and and you know hunting them down i think that does give a lot of opportunities to expand the story outside of just obi-wan and not to spoil boba fett i won't really go into specifics but there is a reason why they called that mandalorian season 2.5 right is it did while it did focus on on boba fett initially it really kind of drew out more of the mandalorian story arc um prior to the season three coming out so i could certainly see how they could turn this into a a, a multi-seasonal or multi-series um, a topic, but not necessarily focusing only on Obi-Wan. Yeah, obviously he'll be the, the main character, but there's opportunities to spin off side characters, maybe other Jedis there on the run. Um, even as much as his interaction with um, the events leading up to um, you know, the Death Star plans being stolen, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, if Disney continues to um, deliver as they have on a majority of their their shows. Obviously, I think the streaming service in these situations is a benefit because instead of having to release a two-hour movie and and try to jam everything in, now you're talking about you know eight episodes or eight, eight thirty-minute episodes or an hour-long episodes. Um, so you're talking anywhere from four to eight hours of content that just wouldn't be um, 
realistic in a movie, um, at least not in a in a series in a single movie. Again, maybe as a trilogy, but I think ultimately as a streaming um, series, I think Obi Wan's going to benefit a lot more than if it had been a, a single movie release. So, would you like to hear the rumor going around why he leaves Tatooine? I would. Princess Leia is abducted. Oh, there you go. See, I knew there had to be. And they have. That's the rumor, and it's only because Jimmy Smith's has been confirmed, or at least heavily rumored to be a part of it. He's the one who knows he's there, and apparently, you know, Leia's either in danger, I heard, potentially kidnapped, and they need him to get her back. And that, of course, because they, they said, like, for example, if you look at the trailer, he is not on Tatooine the entire time. There's that neon city where you see a lot of clips and stuff, and you see him walking along there, like covering up his face and hiding in the crowd. And so that, that could be, you know, part of what gets the whole game going. Uh, but, you know, it's supposed to be 10 years after uh, the last one. And then people, of course, are going over the teaser with a fine-tooth comb. And someone points out that there's one of the Inquisitors in a dark alleyway, and there's a you only see a hand, but it's holding a blaster, and it's the exact same gun that Han Solo has used. And while they say that's not to say he's got the only variation of that in the universe, some are saying this could be, you know, we've already heard talk that they're going to do a Lando Calrissian series, and some have said this could be their way of at least you know, a quick cameo or a quick scene to show that, yes, Han Solo is still around at this time, and, you know, he's 10 years away from meeting Obi-Wan Kenobi, but he is one of the moving parts and the characters potentially setting up other things. I think it's safe to say we're going to get a lot of surprises and we're going to get a lot of uh, interesting stuff and, you know, can't wait. Uh, you know, I, I've been enjoying the new Picard series. I'm waiting um, very much for Moon Knight to drop, and... Uh, see what else that we get star wars so really quickly guys the last thing i wanted to talk to tonight i sent you a trailer for tiny tina's wonderlands which is the borderlands spinoff it's coming later this month uh anybody who remembers borderlands 2 will know that one of the best dlcs for it or any of the borderlands games as far as i'm concerned is tiny tina playing her version of dungeons and dragons uh, you know which they refer to as wonderlands this is a whole game that is spawned from this we've even had a uh, desktop version of the game and uh the other day i had some people i didn't have a problem with this i'll say this right out at the start but some people on a couple of fan sites got really bent out of shape over this so i thought i'd get your opinion on it so right after we had a uh, trailer showing a certain mode of the game that is going to be available at launch there was a trailer talking about the season pass trailer and a group of people got out and got online and got really upset over this saying it's all a lot of nonsense this smells to me of stuff that was cut from the original game and then they're going to put it behind a paywall um rather than you know delay the game a couple months so on and so forth and i thought it seemed a bit harsh and their mentality was why would you go and release a season pass trailer before the game even comes out? My, re my response is that's not entirely unheard of. 
and their response was right. It's because it's content that was cut from the final the final game. So, uh, Michael, you start us off. What do you make? Fair criticism or not? No, I I, I kind of disagree. And those are, those tend to be the people that always want to have some conspiracy with some of these things. I think that uh, to that to the point of season pass type stuff and everything else. You know, there are people that hate it. There are people that that like it. Um, it's the same thing we've talked about with DLC. You know, over the past 15 years now, um, and I think sometimes there the the budget is set at one thing, and they want to continue to develop after that. But they have to, you know, what they what they want to avoid is scope creep, where they want to put so much in the game that it will never get released. I mean, there's obviously um, several examples of that out there, but I I think it's it's an opportunity to kind of showcase what's coming without actually saying this is part of a, a you know a DLC release or whatever um, so I, I don't know I you know, again I, I always like having additional content um, I also don't think that um, it's necessarily if you don't want to pay for it you don't want to do it I think there'll be plenty of content with the game I'm excited for it um, I'm always interested to kind of see what's what's on the future what's on the horizon and sometimes it's a good thing to know because it, it kind of helps make up the decision as to whether or not you want to you know pony up the money for it or if you want to wait and if people want to wait for the the season pass stuff and just wait till it goes on sale you know more power to them yep sounds like it and uh you know i think it's also fair to remember part of the marketing for any game is that they have the various editions you know you have your basic edition and then they say oh yeah we also have this edition that includes the dlc and of course, you get some people that say, oh, I'm going to get that. But then you have a lot of people that say, well, I'm going to get the game, see if I like it. And then I want to see what the DLC is. This is just some way of saying, this is it. You know, uh, sometimes they have teams that are dedicated to doing nothing but DLC content that work in tandem with the uh, developers. So, uh, Justin, take us home on this. Yeah, I agree with both of you guys. Um, I've never really been... Uh, very receptive to this kind of argument because um, a couple problems with it with with the logic so one um, it basically takes a hypothetical premise and applies that hypothetical premise to every single case and so it, it might be possible you know this may have happened before where you know you have a game that's almost completion and maybe the uh, the company decides to take some content out of it and um, and uh, and make it a DLC um, that that may have I don't know of any case specifically that that's happened before but uh, you know I guess it's it's hypothetically possible so my problem is that people will often take that and they'll just they'll apply it to every case where you know the uh, the situation is like almost, you know, if the DLC if the DLC releases too close to when the game comes out, they ought, they a lot of people will just assume that that's what's happened, when there's really no proof that that's what's happened, and really like the way I, the way I look at stuff like this is, you know, you 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 judge, the the price of the game based on you know what they're offering for the price of the game. And just because they've released, they're going to release DLC at some point, you know, close to when the the base game launches. Um, 
you know, doesn't doesn't change the the value judgment of like what what you're what you're paying for for the base game. So if like you know you're looking at a base game and it's going to give you, uh, I don't know, like eighty hours or or to make it more simple, sixty hours of of gameplay for a sixty dollar game, and you're like, oh well, that sounds like a good deal. I'm going to get a dollar per per hour of gameplay. That's pretty good. Um, you know, just because they release a DLC, you know, a month later that would have, you know, maybe added another 10 hours to the game. It doesn't, it doesn't change the original, uh, value judgment you made about the price for paying for the game. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I'm not really super receptive to that. Plus, you know, the, the, the alternative is, you know, they could just not make the DLC at all. Like it, if they had never announced anything at all, then, uh, you know, that also really doesn't change whether you're judging the game on its own merits or not. Um, I mean, so that, oh, sorry, Justin, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I was going to say to that point, too, it's kind of the same thing with expansion packs before DLC, right? You would wait, I don't know, unlike DLC, which can come out in three or four months, you know, expansion packs, we typically had to remember, we wait for a year or two years. And if you wait, didn't wait that long, if they had an expansion pack that came out in six months, oh, they obviously had that ready for the release of the game. And they added an expansion pack so you could buy more things. I mean, I agree. It's it's an argument that no matter what side you're on, um, there's really no winning. <laughs> there's no winning over those people because there's always going to be a conspiracy theory about it. And do you remember the nightmare when the expansion packs would come in the stores and there would always be people who bought it not realizing you had to have the base game? And they, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, I was at a video game company at that time doing PR work in addition to my media work. Uh, not PR, but uh, tech support work, excuse me, uh, beta testing tech support. And uh, you would get, oh, I got this, it's not loading. Well, okay, and you'd go through, oh, I don't have that, or didn't that come with my computer? And, you know, you, you, it was just like, oh, boy. I, I it just the, the, the stories I could tell you about that. Anyway, <laughs> we covered a lot of stuff tonight, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Be safe and have a great weekend, and we'll be back next week. Until then, take care.